Welcome, New City. It's good to be worshiping with you online. I can't wait until we can worship together in person again. Until then, this is how we're doing it. I really encourage you to consider joining our Zoom call on Wednesday evening where we do Compline and Lexio. It's been a great uh, connection point for me, connection with other people, and an opportunity to pray. So uh, it'd be, be great if you'd consider joining that time. Uh, there's a number of things that have changed in this season of COVID and stay-at-home order. And one of the things that has changed is that we're, as a family, just a lot less busy. I'm sure some of you have experienced this. And in some ways, it's great. In other ways, it can be challenging. But but one of the ways that I've actually appreciated is we're having dinner together as a family every, pretty much every night. We're not rushing our kids around to sports practice or after-school activities. So we've, uh, we've played some card games together. We've played video games. I'm playing video games with some of my kids. And uh, we've been watching some TV shows together. And one of the shows that we like to watch as a family together is The Voice. We had kind of dropped off it for a while, but in this uh, time where we're at home and looking for things to do together, we've been watching The Voice together. And my favorite part of that show is the first few episodes when they do what is called The Blinds. If you're not familiar with the show, basically there are four coaches and they sit with their backs to the singers who are auditioning to be on the show. And the coach then, if they like the singer, hits a button and they turn around. Um, they're called the blinds because they have to choose their singers without being able to see them. They can only do it on the basis of their voice. And the, the reason this is sort of the, the deal with the show is that <clears throat> it's, you're not choosing somebody based on how they look or how they can dance or how their style is and how they dress. It's only on how they can sing. It's why it's called The Voice. And it's, it's a fun concept and it's always super excited when somebody uh, sings really well and a bunch of coaches all want this person. But the thing that I've noticed is how much I dislike it when a person goes out to sing, sings their heart out, does a really a pretty good job, and nobody turns around. The, the person is just singing to the backs of these chairs for the whole audition. And it is gut-wrenching. And after they're done, the coaches turn around and they give them some feedback. But that, it's, it's always just so sad. It's so hard. They've done this vulnerable thing, put themselves out there. They've sung in front of millions of people, if you count the TV audience. And, uh, and they're rejected. Our coaches don't want them. They're not good enough to be on the show. It's hard. It's painful. This real sense of lack, you know, lacking something. I had the same sort of awareness uh, not too long ago when I was watching the NFL draft. And there's so much excitement, so much hope for these players, but there's so many people who didn't get drafted. I went out a day after the draft was over and saw ESPN's best available list and there's still so many people who had hoped to be drafted were projected to be drafted in early rounds who went undrafted who were unwanted who were not good enough they lacked something and this is not unique to singers and football players this is something all of us experience in our life at some point we have an experience where we just don't have enough. We're not good enough. 
we don't get selected, we don't get picked. Even if you are good enough, even if you get into that school, or even if you make it onto The Voice, at some point in time, you feel lack. You get cut from The Voice. Somebody is better than you at school. And if you're in the NFL, you get hurt or you just get old. You can't play anymore. We all experience, we all know what it feels like to, to lack something, to not quite be good enough to feel like we don't quite measure up. And this experience can be so painful and it can, can drive us to strive and to overcompensate in so many ways. It can, it can make our lives kind of miserable. It can make just feeling like I am not enough. I am not good enough. I lack something found fun, fundamentally, which causes me not to be accepted by others, can be a very painful and difficult thing to live with. But it's a reality for all of us as humans because we all lack something in some way in some part of our lives. Which is why our psalm for today, I find it so fascinating because David, beginning this psalm, says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Because of his relationship with God, he is living a life without lack. So there's something about David's relationship with the Lord that causes him to go through his life feeling like he never is without what he needs. That's what it means to live a life without lack. It means you always have everything that you need. How can that be? Nobody has everything that they need. So how can David say that he lives a life without lack? Your initial um, answer to that question or your initial uh, response as you think about it might be to say, well, he was a king, so I'm sure he had it easy. I'm sure uh, every, he had everything that he wanted because of his power and his status, and so he can say, I am living a life without lack. It's just because he has tremendous privilege. But the reality is David had a pretty hard life and it was pretty tumultuous. He grew up pretty much in obscurity. He was the youngest of many brothers and he was often neglected. It, sounds, it seems like from the little we know about his childhood that it wasn't very good. Uh, and then when he really starts to have success in life, it's in war, which, you know, is not great and not a great place uh, to spend so much of your time. So he spends a lot of time at war. He, he finally does become king, but it's, it's after a lot of resistance and, and after uh, King Saul has been trying to kill him for a long period of time, so he is frequently running for his life. Once he becomes king, it's, it's not too long before there's dysfunction that emerges in his family. Uh, then there's a coup, and so he's driven out of his palace and he spends a long time on the run. He has to watch... Uh, multiple children of his die. In a lot of ways, David actually had a hard life. He saw a lot of suffering. There was a lot of loss and grief and sadness. In fact, when you read through the Psalms, he's the author of a lot of lament Psalms. Where he's pouring out his sadness and his grief. And so when we read David saying, I lack nothing. It's not because 
circumstances were always peachy and easy for him. It's it's not because anything he could think of wanting just kind of appeared for him. When David says, I lack nothing, it's for another reason. There's a deeper reason. In our psalm, he says, it's because the Lord is his shepherd. Jesus is wanting us to understand this same basic truth that the Lord, that God relates to us as a shepherd. So there is something about coming to an understanding that the Lord is our shepherd that can be very helpful to us, that can that is the, the pivotal transition that we need in order to move from this place of discontent and lack to a place of life without lack. I have everything that I need. And Jesus, I think, gives us a clue Uh, as to what this is when he talks about being the good shepherd in John chapter 10. Listen as I read a few verses from there. Jesus is speaking here and he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So what Jesus is getting at here is, he's sort of talking about what the nature of a good shepherd is. And the primary characteristic that he's pointing out is that the shepherd loves his sheep. And the shepherd is committed to taking care of his sheep. And this commitment to taking care of the sheep is uh, is so strong that he's willing to sacrifice his own well-being to, to give his very own life for the sheep. That's what the shepherd does. So, if we think about what that means for David when he prays this prayer, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. It means that he has discovered in some way in his relationship with God that God is so committed to David's well-being that he is willing to suffer pain himself in order to meet David's needs. And the same is true for you and me. I think this is the invitation of this song. You and I are invited to discover the way that the Lord is our shepherd, which means we're invited to discover the way that the Lord is so committed to our well-being that he's willing to suffer harm. He's willing to give his own life for our well-being, to meet the needs that we have. So... What are your needs? If God is so committed to taking care of you, what needs does this loving Lord, this shepherd of your soul, need to meet? In this time of stay-at-home orders and global pandemic, One of the needs that I think we're all very present to and very aware of is, you know, 
health. I, I would like to be healthy. And, um, and so I've been sitting with this as a need, this need to be healthy and to have health. And I've been paying attention to, to how the Lord takes care of us and wondering, does, does the Lord's commitment to be our shepherd and to take care of us mean that he will make sure that we don't get sick? And as I've been considering this, I've been considering what our deep needs are uh, this week. And I got an email update from a friend who not too long ago was diagnosed. He had cancer, then he was in remission, and then he got cancer again. And um, had to have a bone marrow transplant and had a lot of issues. And so it so really lost his health in a significant way. And as he he's now writing this email update that I got this week and he was talking about how he is cancer free and how in a large way he has he has he's come on to the other side of this sickness and he's giving thanks for that <clears throat> but he's also naming something that I thought, thought was really interesting that that few of us sort of have the life history to speak into and he's basically what he's talking about is the way he, in the midst of losing his health, he experienced God providing for him in such a deep and meaningful way that he feels like he's emerging on the other side of this sickness after having a bone marrow transplant, after getting graft-versus-host disease, after having all these infections and really having a really hard go of it. He's still emerging on the other side of this difficult health battle, feeling like a richer human being. Like his body may have been diminished, but his soul was enlarged. And what he says he discovered is the illusion. He, he, he let go of the illusions of all these needs he thought he had as he let go of them because he wasn't getting them met. He discovered the way God's presence with him was meeting the deepest needs of his soul. He experienced the, the, the deep need of his soul that God was meeting was he was giving his very self to my friend. In the same way that Jesus talks about. God is so for us that he gives his own self. When Jesus comes, this means he's giving his whole life for sinners, which takes him to the cross where he's crucified for our sins. And now for you and me, it means when the Lord gives his whole self, it means he gives his spirit to dwell within us and live with us through all parts of our lives. And what my friend experiences is this, um, this paradox of the spiritual life, that it was in the, uh, the absence of feeling like his needs were being met as he was getting sick and as he was losing his health, that he discovered the deep way that God was actually meeting his real needs. And that real need was for uh, the Lord's presence himself, God giving his very self to us. My friend then, uh, at the end of this email update, he said he kind of summarized what this experience was life like by uh, sharing a quote from uh, a theologian who lived hundreds of years ago named uh, Meister Eckhart, who says this, The soul does not grow by addition, but by subtraction. 
And what this means is that oftentimes you and I don't discover the Lord meeting our needs, being the shepherd of our souls until we are face to face with uh, some, uh, um, in a very real way with our needs not being met, whether that's in sickness or suffering or conflict or pain or loss is when those things happen that all of a sudden we become more aware of the way that the Lord is meeting our deepest need, our need for him and his presence with us. This is what my friend experienced as he lost his health. He is now bearing witness to the way God is faithful to meet our needs, even in the loss of health. But this is what David is doing in our psalm too. He's writing this song of of praise to the Lord who meets all of his needs, even in the most difficult of circumstances. So let's look at a few of the ways the Lord is our shepherd and meets our needs in difficult circumstances. Verses 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. So here, David is pointing out the way the Lord meets our need for rest. So in the midst of difficult circumstances where you're feeling stressed and worn out and like you have too much to do, like there's not enough time in the day, there's a way that if you can discover the Lord as your shepherd, that you can experience God giving himself to us in this gracious, unconditional love kind of way that changes the way we go through our days so that we're no longer striving and trying to prove something and be good enough, but we know deep in our bones that we are loved and we are accepted. And there is a quality of restfulness about us when that happens. When the Lord is your shepherd, you discover rest in the midst of so many to-dos and so many challenges. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. When the Lord is your shepherd and you have to make a difficult decision, it's not crushing to you. There is something about an awareness of the Lord's loving presence dwelling within you that gives you wisdom to know how to decide. And so the very difficult circumstances of maybe having to having to make a very hard decision When the Lord is your shepherd, he helps you make good decisions. This is another way. In the midst of difficulties, in the midst of challenges, in the midst of circumstances we don't like, when we have to make decisions, we don't want to choose between two maybe bad options. The Lord's presence with us. He shepherds us into wisdom. Because he is with us, because of his deep love for us, we make good decisions. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David here is naming the way the Lord meets our deepest needs when we are hurt, when we're in a scary place, when things are very difficult. God, when when we know the Lord as our shepherd, we can turn to the Lord for comfort. And without this, we turn to all the wrong places for comfort. Maybe if you're in a hard place in a marital relationship, you need your spouse to agree with you, or if they've hurt you, you need them to apologize. And and short of that, you're just, you cannot be comforted or consoled. 
Or maybe if work is disappointing or hard, or if you have friends at school who have cut you out of a social circle, you need to fix the situation in order to feel okay with that situation. But what David is describing to us is the way, if you know the Lord is your shepherd, there is a way that you can turn to the Lord when you are hurt, when you are sad, and experience comfort. This is a deep need. We need to know how to find comfort from the Lord. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Here David is talking about the way the Lord meets our needs when somebody is against us. Who has been against you in your life? I know that the the desire is is to pray and say, God, fix this, make this person go away, help me to, to win over them or something along those lines. So many different ways we can ask God to fix this situation. But what David is describing and bearing witness to is the way the Lord nurtures and nourishes his soul. It's like a feast. He eats a feast. Uh, so that even when he's in the presence of his enemies, he's getting the sustenance that he needs for his soul. So it's like this person is against him, but he's able to be okay because he's able to have this prayer relationship with the Lord, even when he's in the presence of his enemy, someone who is plotting his destruction. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And here I think David is just naming the way that when you know that the Lord is your shepherd, when you've experienced the self-giving love of God, there is this uh, surety that God, no matter what happens in the future, you know that the Lord will be with you. And so even when you're standing on the precipice of a future that is uncertain and potentially very scary, There is this hopefulness because you know, no matter what happens, God will never stop being with you. And so David has this sense of just anointing my head with oil. That just means blessing. Cup overflowing also means blessing. It doesn't mean you know everything's going to happen and it's always going to go good. It means that no matter what happens, because the Lord has given his own self to you, you are in, you're blessed. You're always at home in the Lord's presence, no matter what is going on. And so you can look to an uncertain future and feel hopeful and feel good and feel like I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I am always going to be with God, feeling blessed because God is with me. In all of these ways, David is bearing witness to what it feels like to have the Lord, to know that the Lord is my shepherd. Even when circumstances are difficult, God gives me rest. God helps me make good decisions. God gives me comfort and hardship. God uh, nourishes my soul even when I'm around my enemies. All In all of these ways, God takes care of me, and I know that the Lord is my shepherd. And so right now, in the midst of a pandemic where I'm certain that we're all in many different ways experiencing Um, you know, lack. We are lacking something, lacking social connection, lacking uh, job opportunities, lacking uh, time alone. In so many ways, we are experiencing lack. 
I want to invite you this week, every time you come up to a need that you have, a limit that you're faced with, an awareness of your lack, to be able to, in your head, and like a breath prayer, to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Name your need that you're immediately aware of to the Lord, and then pay attention to what the, the deep need within you that God is meeting by his presence and his with you and his love for you. New City, I so miss being with you, but I want you to know that I care deeply for you. And this week I will be praying that each one of you knows the Lord is your shepherd. And you experience his love for you meeting your deepest needs. Amen.